I don't know if I told you this recently or not, but the ministry's great. You know why it's great? Well, because the Lord asked me to do it, and he, he helps me, and He's with me every day. But the ministry is people. It's easy to get stuck in an office, and you have uh, all the, the, you know, this checklist, and this to-do list, and all this stuff, and all that. And, but, you know, you remember, the ministry is people. And I love it. I mean, this is, this is a wonderful thing. I mean, God put me here, and He called me here, and, and uh, why would I stoop to do anything else, right? Because this is what He has me doing, and praise God for it, and I love it. Ministry's great, and uh, whatever, whatever spot that the Lord puts you for ministry, that's, uh, that's what brings joy in life, serving the Lord, amen? And what doesn't matter if it's a bus route or a Sunday school class or a, a door greeting spot or a, or a vacuum in the floor spot. I mean, if that's what God has given you to do, praise God for it, amen? Amen, I love it. And um, had a great time out soul winning Tuesday night, praise the Lord for it. I know sometimes, you know, you don't feel like going or whatever, but you do it because God asked you to do it. And then when you do it, God brings joy. Had a great time talking with a man uh, Tuesday and trying to encourage him along the way. Found out he was saved and, and just trying to help him and encourage him. And it was a great time. A great time. And uh, thank you for being faithful. Appreciate you. Jude here. I almost said chapter. And there's only one chapter. Uh, but uh, we've gotten all the way down to verse 11. We'll pick up in verse 12 in just a moment. Let's be reminded here, uh, just uh, for, for a moment before we begin, we're talking about apostasy, the falling away from the truth. And Jude has told us to defend our faith, to contend for the faith, to stand for what we believe, because there's coming false teachers. There's coming false uh, people that sheep and wolf, or wolves in sheep clothing, right? There's coming those that will creep in, and they'll come in sneak, sneaking in to to devise uh, trouble and mischief in the church and these things. And we have to be watching and we have to stand for what we believe. And uh, there's always been, uh, since there's been church, there's always been the devil working hard to bring in things that are not true, that are not right, to divide the people. And, and, and God says uh, the gates of hell shall not, um, uh, shall not prevail against the church, right? So how, what's the devil going to do? He's going to bring something in the midst of us. And split us between ourselves, right? And that's happened so many times, hasn't it? Let us beware of fighting one another. Let's beware of bickering over things. But let's also stand for truth. And not let false doctrine within take root in the the church as well. Amen? And that's why we've got to be in the Word of God, teaching the Word of God, and, uh, and asking questions and growing together. Yes? Yes, amen. If you don't understand something we believe and we teach here, then we, you ought to ask questions. Come to me. Come to an assistant pastor. Come to a deacon and say, I don't understand this. Help me. I want to, you, you ought to grow, right? Amen? The devil, what the devil wants to do, he wants to bring a false religion in. Or he wants to bring what, what, it, what happens with cults, right? That they take one verse and they go rampant on something that's in their imagination off of one verse. And, it, and, it, and, the, and the devil will destroy churches that way. Whether it's Calvinism or whether it's, it's uh, um, not having assurance of, of salvation and, well, I, I, I'm unsaved because I sinned. You know, people believe those things because they don't look at the whole Scripture. They take one verse and they get way out of, way out of line those things. Well, that's what, that's what it is. Uh, uh, false teachers come in. 
That's part of it, right? He gives us some examples here. And then we looked at how um, the devil was mentioned here with Michael and, and uh, looking at these examples in verse 11 with, with Cain and with Balaam and with, with Korah and all these things where they got away from what they ought to be doing. They got away from the truth. Let's pick up in verse 12, please. These <clears throat> are spots in your feasts of charity. Notice that word, these. He, spe- he speaks often about these. He's drawing us back to the context with these. He's speaking about those in verse 4. Certain men crept in unawares, right? Who were before of old ordained to this condemnation. Ungodly men turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice when we look at verse 8. Likewise also these filthy dreamers. Verse 10. But these speak evil of those things which they know not. And uh, there's several times that he uses these word, this word these. These are spots in your feast. Verse 12. I believe it's, uh, is it verse um, 14. And Enoch also the seventh saying, Behold the Lord, or excuse me, from Adam prophesied of these saying, Behold the Lord cometh with ten thousand of his saints. And uh, says it again in verse um, I believe he says it a couple more times throughout, throughout the scripture here. All right. So these are spots in your feasts. And he says, uh, of charity, which they, which they feast with you, when they feast with you, feeding themselves without fear, clouds they are without water, carried about of winds, trees whose fruit withereth without fruit, twice dead, plucked up by the roots. Okay, he's, uh, he's nailing them here, isn't he? Jude's not, he's pulling out, he's just, he's not reserving anything. He says, yeah, that's just what they are. They're dead, twice dead. We need to pluck them up by the roots because they're withering. Bunch of, bunch of nonsense going on here. He says, uh, they're spots in your feast. This word spots in your scripture here, you could also, uh, you might think of it this way to help you, uh, when, when you're looking at the definition of that word, think of hidden rocks in the water. Okay. Some of you might be into boating. You like to boat or you might like to be along the shore. And sometimes there are rocks just under the water line. Or maybe a reef, a reef along the, under the water line, right? And so somebody that's running a boat or sailing a ship, and uh, they have to watch for the jagged rocks along the shore. Yes? And that's what this idea of these spots are. They come in under the guise of being like us. And they go along with it for a time and they wait for the moment to cause, cause strife, cause mischief, cause their, their time of false teaching. You look in, uh, uh, John wrote the epistles of 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, right? In 3rd John, I believe it is, he's talking about a man who loves to have the preeminence. Yes? Have you read 3rd John in a while? Maybe go back and read it. It's a short epistle. And he's talking about this man that loves to have the preeminence, who wants to be in charge, that, that uh, though there's, a, there's leadership already in place, here's a guy that wants to be heard, that wants to get his opinion in, that, that's always going after, we've got to do this and we've got to do that and always this and always that. And uh, John's calling him out and he's saying, God's not working through him. God's going to work through the leadership he's established. And uh, though it's okay to have a voice in the church, we don't run bulldoze over leadership. 
We understand these things. There's people that sneak in. They, they come in under the guise of being like us and then cause much trouble. And we must be watchful. The Bible's very clear when it says walk circumspectly. Can it say that in the book of Ephesians? I think it's Ephesians, if I'm not mistaken. Okay, walk circumspectly. Why? For the days are evil. Doesn't it say that? It says that. Okay, uh, redeeming the time for the days are evil. Okay, all right, let's m- move on from that. These are spots in your feast of charity. These feasts of charity are exactly what it says. Charity is love, right? Feasts, love feasts, or uh, not anything um, we don't, not anything inappropriate there. But the idea of of showing love with feasts. Okay, so a a a large uh, time of eating. We sometimes we eat together. Yes. Yeah, over in the gym, we might have combined services or, or uh, Save Gas Sunday, something along those lines, where we get to eat with one another. And us that are able to bring food to that are feeding those that are unable. Yes? Okay. Um, is, um, I, I haven't seen, is Jeremy here tonight? I haven't seen, seen Jeremy tonight. I love it when Jeremy's here. I love it. He comes for everything. Anytime we have something going over in the Ed building, right? Come on. That's awesome. Why? Because we're able to do that for him. That's wonderful. And, um, um, and praise God. Thank you for your compassion and your love towards Jeremy. Thank you for doing that. That's what a church ought to do. Amen? And uh, he's, he's a, a kind and good fellow. And, and uh, praise God for that. And we ought to do those things. I love it that we can feed our bus kids sometimes. And we got those meals together, and then we, they were part of that thing. And, and, uh, and, and what I have known through the years is that's some of the best eating they've ever get sometimes, some of those kids. Praise the Lord for that feast of charity. All right? But the table for the Eastern culture in back in these days was a, was a time of um, you sat with people that you were friend, friends with. That you, you, there was a bond there. There was friendliness. There was fellowship at the table. You didn't sit down with just anybody. You welcome people that uh, that you're you're going to be headed in the same direction with. And what we're talking, what he's talking about here, he says these are spots or hidden rocks in your feast of charity. When they feast with you, feeding themselves without fear. They're not of us. They're not. Uh, they're not even saved. He's talking about people that are playing the part, but they're not saved. And they come in and they have no fear to just be a wolf in sheep's clothing and feed and be at the table with you, though they mean to betray you, though they mean to take you, take you off, um, uh, off track. All right? how, how can you imagine what was going through Judas' mind when he was sitting with the Lord at that last time, remember the night he was he was arrested. And he's sitting at that table, and Jesus called him right out. It's amazing nobody else caught that at the table. But he says, "The one that eats with me is going to betray me. The one that I'm going to pass the sop to is going to betray me." And Judas knew what he was talking about, and he said, "Go do it quickly." It's amazing that he that he was able to lie and sit at that table when he knew Jesus would know. Uh, Ahithophel was another one. David's counselor betrayed him, and yet he was at David's table oftentimes. Right? And so they feed without fear. Look what it says. Clouds they are without water, carried about of winds. 
Okay? Uh, farmers. Oftentimes farmers in, in the summertime, they're begging God for rain. It's a dry time and they're begging God for rain. And here comes this big black cloud and it's coming over their fields and praising God, looking forward to it, just dumping some water on their fields. And it keeps on blowing right by. It doesn't give them any water. How disappointing that is, discouraging that is. And that's what these are. They don't have any fruit. They look the part, they act like it, but they have no fruit. Notice he keeps going. Trees whose fruit withereth, without fruit, twice dead, plucked up by the roots. Okay, they're fake. All right? Again, they look, they look good in the beginning. They look good in the beginning. All right? Sometimes we get somebody that comes and, and uh, since I've been your pastor, we've had people here that they come and they go through the motions and they get saved and they look emotional and, oh, I want to be a part of this thing. And then they don't come back. And then you find out, well, this is what they do every so often. They just come and they go, they go through the motions, and, but they, they're living a whole different life behind the scene. They want to feel good. So every once in a while they find a church and they come in and do that. It's just fake. Right? Let's not live that way. Let's watch. Let's keep our eyes open for people like that. We've got to be cautious on those things. We've got to help them. We, got, we, can't just, we can't just kick them to the curb. We've got to love them and help them. But still, we've got to keep our eyes open. Because it's folks like that that are living a facade that could cause damage in a church. And we've got to be careful. Anytime we have somebody in the church that is unsaved, you understand the Bible teaches they're a child of the devil. You understand what I'm saying? We, 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 any, it's, a, it's important. Church membership, somebody all got to be saved and they got to be baptized. They need to be, they need to be saved. That means they have the Spirit of God within them. They're not their own. They're bought with a price. Okay? To be part of the church, God teaches clearly that you ought to be saved. Okay? He brought, he brought, as a picture of that, He brought Israel out of Egypt by the blood of the Lamb on the doorposts. They've got to be saved. And then, and, and then that first step of obedience, they were baptized before they were added to the church. That's important things. But sometimes people come in and they, they get past all that and they claim to be saved or whatnot, but they don't have the Spirit of God. And what happens was when you don't have the Spirit of God, the devil can do whatever he wants because he's more powerful than you and I. We've got to be careful of these things. We understand that. And it says, so he says, trees whose fruit withereth. Uh, they have no fruit. There, there's nothing there because they're not saved. And they looked good in the beginning, but then in the autumn time, their leaves wither, their fruit withers, and now they're not only are they dead on the inside, they're looking dead on the outside, and it's all being revealed here. So, plucked up by the roots. What we do with, with things like the, your, your farm and your, you got trees or whatever, and you've got a, a tree like that that's not producing fruit. What it, Jesus looked at the fig tree, it didn't produce fruit, and, and he cursed it, and it withered and died, and he got rid of it, Right? We've got to be careful of these things. I'm not saying that we're just going to tell people that are unsaved they can't come to church. That's not what I'm saying. But there's a difference of having somebody a part of the church making decisions in the church that's unsaved. We've got to be cautious on those things. You with me now, church? You know what I'm talking about? Okay, the membership of our church, they ought to be saved. And before they get a, a position of leadership, that they're, they, they've... They've been recognized to be going our direction and like-minded. We don't, Brother Shank, I love you and I'm thankful for that. You're a man of, of sound doctrine and knows the Word of God. That's why you're a deacon around here. 
And you've shown yourself to be a faithful in that area. We don't let anybody just be a deacon, do we? Not just anybody. No, we don't. It's, it's important that, uh, that we watch for these things. Let's move on here. Verse 13. Raging waves of the sea, foaming out their own shame, wandering stars to whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. Okay, raging waves of the sea. Waves are so cool, aren't they? Big old waves that come and they crash along the shore and all that. Sometimes they can look, um, they look puny and other times they look big. And sometimes there's a big wave and, and it looks like it can cause a lot of damage. Anybody been uh, along the, lived along the shore in a hurricane? You're worried about some of that stuff. You've got to board up your windows. You've got to do some things. You gotta, sometimes your house has got to be on post so you don't lose it every time a storm comes, right? Um, raging waves of the sea, and they look terrible and they're mean. They got all this foam, and then look what happens. They crash on the shore, and then they they go on about. They just there's nothing left of them. That's what it's talking about here. Wandering stars. How does that make sense? Wandering stars. Well, anybody who studied the stars, studied the planets, studied the solar system, knows there's an order to it. Yes. There's a, there's a rotation to everything. There's a, there's a system of consistency. God put it to be. God doesn't do things in chaos. He does it decently in order. He didn't just throw stars up in the sky and say, We're, we don't live in... Uh, in, in, in um, I know there's, there's people that think that it's more of a snow globe thing and there's just the stuff sparkling. On. God put consistency in order to it. God made creation, and science is just observation of that creation. And in our science that we look at these things, we see the order and the, and the consistency of what God did. And so stars and planets and all that, re, re, they move, they revolve all, over these things, and we can, we can see that. We know what's going to happen in the future because of the consistency of the planets. We know where the moon's going to be at such and such time, or we know when the full moon's going to be versus the partial and all these things. And so here, he's saying wandering stars. In other words, people that are not following what God wants of them and not following what, what God has ordained within the church and they do whatever they want to do. And they wander. And instead of following truth, they follow their feelings and follow whatever they feel like their flesh. You're going to notice here in the scripture, it says often, they go after their own lusts. It would be a shame if I, as your pastor, followed my feelings and followed my flesh and whatever went, what it went after whatever I felt like. Right? Even if, I was, even if I was saved and I followed my flesh. Well, I don't feel like preaching today. Let's have a party. Now, there's places for slip and slides and dunking people with water and barrels over their head. He's not paying attention. I'm talking to Brother John down there. Dip barrels over your head, dumping water on the preacher. There's, there's room and there's places for that. But we don't, we don't eliminate the preaching and we don't eliminate the truth of the Word of God and what He told us to do in that church house. The, the truth is that you feel it and the preacher feels it sometimes. Uh, maybe you get up and you're a little tired or you have a headache and you're feeling weary and you're feeling down. But the truth is, is that I can go and I ought to go and I'm going to be encouraged when I do go. In other words, what's been said, and often we, we say this fun, funny, but we don't let a little hangnail keep us from going to church. 
Right? Because the truth is, is that God wants us to be here. And other people are dependent upon us. And looking at us and the faithfulness of that. Right? How many of you have been encouraged because of Mrs. Kane's faithfulness through the decades? And we're hurting right now because she's not in her place. Right? You're with me now. Okay, so we're talking about wandering stars. To whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever? I wondered why he used both those words. Brother June, I wondered why, was, why is it blackness and darkness? And so I was looking them up. And darkness is darkness. But blackness is a thick cloud of gloom. Have you ever been in a cave or cavern where you go way down in the earth and there's no light and they have this fun time where they say, hold on to something, we're going to shut the lights off. You ever been there? Okay, I was down in Luray not too long ago, but they didn't do that there. That beautiful cavern, I love it. It It's awesome, creation of God and how he allowed that stuff to happen and all that. But I was in one in Missouri. Um, you know, Jesse James and all that, hiding out in the caves and all that, or the caverns and all that. That's where I was at. I don't remember what they called. It started with an M. Merrimack, was it? And we went way down in the earth. And they said, uh, okay, we're going to shut the lights out. We're giving you warning. And they shut the light out, right? And I'm like, yeah, I can't see it. This is awesome. But it was so thick a darkness because there is absolutely no light. I mean, nothing that you can feel it. One of the great tortures, the great, I don't mean to use that word, but one of the tortures of mankind, putting them in a hole in a box uh, uh, through the years of prisoners of war or whatever, been tortured, putting them in a hole of blackness. And it starts to mess with your mind because it's so thick and so it, it starts to get at you, right? The blackness of darkness forever. It's talking about, um, uh, it's talking about hell. The Bible says hell is a, is a place of darkness, of, of blackness. And uh, there's, no, there's no light there. Though there's fire and all that, there is no light. Okay, let's go on to verse 14. And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousand of his saints to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds, which they have ungodly committed, and of all their hard speeches, which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. He said ungodly a lot, didn't he? You think he meant that? Yeah, I think he did. Okay? You know when God repeats something, he, he's putting some emphasis there. He's meaning something, right? And so Enoch here. Well, that's interesting. Nowhere else in Scripture do we read any, anything about Enoch prophesying. Okay, we read about him, how he walked with God, and then God took him and he was translated, right? He, was, he went on to heaven without dying. That would have been, that'd be a neat way to go, wouldn't it? Raptured up. Okay? All right? So, consider that for a moment. We don't have any other place in Scripture that we're told about him prophesying, except here. Jude is so rich and so thick with things that we don't know about and we get to consider and, and, and wonder about. Like, like verse 9, Michael and, and the devil arguing over the, or can, um, disputing over the body of Moses. Right? Uh, and here we, we're talking about Enoch. Now, some people believe that Jude is quoting another book. 
There is something called the book of Enoch. And it is in what we know to be called the Apocrypha. Okay? Now let's, let's talk about that for a moment. Okay? Ooh, Apocrypha. Do you think Solomon only ever wrote two books or three books? The wisest man ever to live? I'm sure he wrote more things, didn't he? You think uh, some of these men, Paul? Did Paul write more letters than we have in the scripture? I'll guarantee it. Because he references it. He, uh, is it Colossians? I think it's Colossians. At the end of the book, he says, would, he says, read the letter, let this letter be read to the people of Laodicea and read the letter of the Laodiceans in your church. There was more letters than are given to us in the canon of Scripture. Yet God sought in His wisdom to only have certain ones be preserved in the canon of Scriptures. When I say canon of Scriptures, that is what God has preserved to be the Bible. Okay, and so the Apocrypha was a group of books from from long time ago that some people had gathered and collected. And what they are is just... History books and poetry. It's not scripture because God didn't preserve it to be scripture. He didn't put it in the canon of scripture. And some people say, well, yeah, he did, and we ought to look at it. No, let's not. Let's remember when we add to the word of God, we get in trouble. Revelation says that. And when we take away from the word of God, we get in trouble. Okay? And so um, there is a book of Enoch in the Apocrypha. Have I read it? No. Am I going to read it? No. The reason for that is because I'm a preacher of the gospel and I need to hold to the word of truth here, the word of God, and I don't need to get off balance or get off way of of following something that's not inspired of God and preserved to be the word of God to lead me astray. Let Let me park there just for a moment. Give me a moment to preach. Okay? Don't read things that are written by people that don't believe like you, or they'll get you off track. Too many Christians and too many Baptists, fundamental Baptists, are reading things of other people. You wonder why our doctrine's all mixed up. What's this? And why are we asking questions about things like losing our salvation or or, or about people just being saved because God said they could? It's because we're reading things of other people that have taken things out of context of Scripture. And, and God doesn't contradict Himself in the Word of God. The truth is what it is. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But we read things and we... It, it's going beyond reading now. You understand this. You know, I'm going, I'm going after YouTube and these videos... What do we do? We get on these things and we listen to people that have great arguments and defenses and all this stuff and they bring all these things up and all this um, evidence and we buy into it. Be careful, please, church. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to help you as your pastor. Be careful. Anything other, I don't care if it's a book that's been recommended from this pulpit other than the Bible. I don't, it doesn't matter. Anything other than this right here has faults. You might be going through a wonderful Bible study with ladies and going through this devotional book 
and whatever. If it has some man's name on it or some woman's name on it, it's got faults. It's got problems. It's got issues. It doesn't mean that we can't use it. You understand that? Brother Shank writes a book next week about the bus ministry. Praise God. Brother Shank, let's also put your face on it real big. All right? They'll sell lots of copies. It'll be great. But Brother Shank is a sinner, and he knows it, and we know it. <laughs> we know it. We'd love to read the book, but we have to acknowledge that it's possible that there could be, there could be something that's not right about it. Because he's a man. So be careful with these things. What we've, what we've come into, church, is we have a new, I shouldn't even say a new generation, because there's people of all, old and young of all kinds. And we're getting on the internet and we're reading things that do not line up with Scripture. Or we're watching videos that don't line up with Scripture. And we're listening to somebody that's persuasive in their speech. And we're getting off track. On some major things. And it doesn't matter if it's, if it's a doctrinal issue or just some thought out there. Whether you label it as a conspiracy or label it as this or that. It doesn't matter. Be careful what you're buying into. Because the devil is real good at persuading people just like anybody else. If he could convince you that you can lose your salvation... Be careful on that thing, because if you can lose your salvation, what's your salvation built on? Yourself. Not a holy God, a, 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 a powerful, all-powerful God, right? Just be cautious on these things, not to get off balance and off, off track. Now, praise God for you. Let me just, let me give it some balance here. I look at a guy like George Mullis down here. George, if you're anything like me, you got to go fix something, you don't know how to do it, what do you do? Go, let me see a YouTube video. Right? I'm about to destroy a wall. I probably should see how somebody, what not to do first, Brother Martini. What not to do, right? Amen? Brother Martini ought to put out a little YouTube channel. What not to do in, in ministry or no, no, whatever you were saying earlier. I don't know. Whatever you were saying earlier about uh, his Sunday school class. I don't know. I'm not, anyways, moving on. We love him. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thanks for dressing nice. Thank you, Mrs. Martini, for dressing him. Anyway. So, you having fun yet? Okay, all right. Be careful what you're reading. It used to be what you're reading. Be careful what you're watching, what you're reading, what you're listening to. It's not just YouTube videos anymore. It's podcasts. And I don't care if it's a podcast put out by Pastor John Woolard. Be careful. Be careful. Okay, let's get back on this thing. We're almost out of time. We are out of time. But anyways, I want to get to Enoch because it's fun. Amen. I was looking forward to getting there. Enoch. Enoch prophesied. He was a prophet. That's pretty neat, isn't it? And if you think about Enoch here, he's the seventh from Adam. This way back in Genesis. I mean, way back. And he's prophesying. What's he prophesying about? What's it say? Verse 14. Behold, the Lord cometh with 10,000 of his saints. When is God going to do that? In the future, in the millennium, in the, at, the, at the, the second coming of Christ. And so Enoch, way back in the beginning of Genesis, is talking about something way beyond, you know, beyond us. At least, at least seven more years. We don't know when the rapture is going to take place. You understand that. But once the rapture takes place, it's at least another seven years. So it could be 107 years or whenever. We don't know. But it's in the future. 
And Enoch, way back then, is prophesying about that. See, in Enoch's day, it was building up to the flood, wasn't it? In Enoch's day, the men were, were things were going on like in the, in the end days, like in the last times. Like what's kind of what's going on in the world today. People doing whatever they want to do, following the, their flesh and, and, and unsaved and not looking to God and, and just doing whatever they want. And uh, all this nonsense. And so Enoch here is prophesying about this. Enoch was a prophet. When I, when I was studying this a little bit, uh, somebody, uh, another preacher pointed me um, in, in something in written, pointed me to Methuselah. Do you remember Methuselah? Okay, what is Methuselah known for? The oldest man in the Bible, right? How many years? 969. Brett's got it. All right. 969 years. That's a long time to live. Imagine how many grandkids you could have. How many Christmas presents that is. I'm not even there yet. I don't understand it, but amen. Okay, moving on. Uh, Methuselah's name. I actually wrote it down, and I probably won't be able to find it now, but uh, let me see here. Yeah, I got it, I got it here. His name means, when he dies, it shall come. That's what Methuselah's name means. When he dies, it shall come. You know what happened right after Methuselah died? The flood. Enoch was a, Enoch was a prophet. And uh, here he's prophesying about Jude. Jude got this... Revelation from the Holy Spirit to to share this with us because nowhere else is it written in the Word of God. And that's why this book is so rich in these things. And uh, there's lots to be said about that, but we're we're way past time here. So uh, we will finish that up next time. And uh, praise God. Thank you, church, for looking at the Word of God with me, looking at these individual verses, and then letting the Holy Spirit just start preaching. Amen? And I know I was getting off on a lot of different things there, but I believe that was of God. And we just got to trust that thing. Amen. And so thanks for allowing uh, me to uh, walk through the scriptures with you tonight. And I appreciate you. Let's not forget a few things before we go to prayer. Your children. <laughs> Choir practice. Amen. And uh, somebody go hug Brother Hunter Kidwell because he's back. I haven't even seen him yet. He was in around today and I was busy doing stuff and he was busy doing stuff and I need to go find him. He's back. I want to know, you know, the... See what he got in Israel to talk to us about. Show us. Amen. I'm looking forward to it. Amen. Let's pray. Oh, choir practice. Did I say that? Yes. Amen. Brother Trump, he's getting ready for the offering because we take offering. We're Baptists. Amen. We ought to. And he's got the plate by the door. And let's pray. Lord, bless this offering that we're about to receive. May it be used for your glory. Thank you for the great offering we had Sunday and, and people just being faithful in their tithes and, and their faith promise. And Lord, a uh, great thing there. I thank you for that. Thank you for the faithfulness of your people. Thank you for the word tonight, Lord, as we walk through it and we learn these things and these truths of the word of God and what you're teaching us. And Lord, thank you for bringing out the preaching of the word through these things as well. I ask your blessing as we continue in the book, as uh, Lord, we're in our own personal Bible study. Lord, many people sharing with me how they just enjoy being in the word of God, whether they're listening to it or reading it and uh, their own personal time with God. Thank you for that, Lord. Thank you for people that are faithful where they ought to be faithful. And I ask your blessing on our church now as we leave tonight and to bring us back in our places for next service. We love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, church. Love you.